July 2nd, 2013. It's Watt from Pedro's show.
Don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, people, I'm uh, off Pedro's show, but I'm not in Pedro. I'm in Rome. I'm on tour with Stooges. And, uh, well, we started the show off with two, two bass hit by John Coltrane when it was in Miles Davis's band, uh, Live at Newport. Uh, then we heard SG by Sawako and Philosophy for Insects with uh, my guest, uh, Joe Lally from Joe Lally Trio. That's his uh, latest music. Welcome aboard, Joe. Thanks for having me. He's worried about uh, sweating because he had to come up a hill. We're up on a hill where the tail is. And I hurt my knee, so it was a little harder for me to get down the hill. But it was kind of an adventure getting up, right? It was. And I, I, the last thing was kind of these four flights of steps coming from another street. And the only thing I could do is I just ran up them. But it's, it led to me sweating, and now I'm in the air conditioning. But I'll survive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I hate air because I live in Cali. I don't really like air conditioning. I know. It's, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put on a... It's been warm, right? I heard all drapes. week was supposed to be 80s. It's, it hasn't been uh, totally insane, but it's been good. It's okay. been good. Man, we were up in uh, the Scandinavia. There was rain and this... Mm. You wouldn't even know, well, okay. summer for them. It's getting us. cold or chilly. Like the sun wouldn't go down, so we knew <laughs> yeah. it was summer. But yeah, it was raining. Anyway, uh, let's come up to the beginning. What's your first music thing? I think uh, my sister's records. I have an older sister. I, I grew up in Rockville, Maryland. Rockville? Yeah. For a rock guy, that's probably a good town. <laughs> yeah. Um, my older sister, Kathy, nine years older than me. And so she had... Uh, you know, Beatles singles. You know, I remember playing Beatles singles. I'm gonna hold your hand, and uh, and then later, like um, you know, Abbey Road. Like just listening to what I remember is like soundscapes. They were so full of like uh, it was almost theatrical or something. You know, listening to Abbey Road. But how old do you think you were? Uh, I you know that's really hard to figure out. But I it could be like eight, nine. Uh, so you're in school, like grade school. I think so, but I, you know, I can't even, I can't even put anything on that because really, at, I'm probably, you know, I could have been younger, and then um, by the time I was, I want to say, by the time I was ten. Problem, yeah, but, you know, it had to be earlier than that. Maybe I was seven or something because by the time I was nine or ten, I was my best friend who lived next door had three older brothers. And for some reason, man, music was just enormous in their house. Like, they had a little, you know, what you hang tools on normally, like a pegboard. Yeah. It was holding 45s. <laughs> there was yeah. a record player under it in, like, the, you know, the rec room of the house. So there was, like, a pool table in front of that. And then there was these 45s, man. I can still remember, like, you know, good foot, cold sweat. You they know. pulled to that stuff. Yeah, man. And, I mean, it was all, like, it was... It was there was other stuff too, but it was enorm It was mostly like black music, and even though there was, you know, very few black people in my you know elementary school, my junior high school. That's what, that's all I was listening to when I was like nine, ten. Otis Redding from uh, Monterey, um, "Try a Little Tenderness" was like my favorite song. <laughs> I was like nine, you know. <laughs> God. But I'm 55. I'm, I'll be 50 this year. So I'm not that, because you know what? I'm hearing that stuff too, but it's from Navy housing. Oh. And we're, yeah. they only separate us by rank. Uh -huh. Like I didn't go to hang out with officers' kids. Uh -huh. 
but everybody else, I was, yeah, it was so trippy when I found out civilians organized themselves another way. Because, <laughs> but I was hearing those records too. Yeah, it so was it's not that far different. Damn. Yeah, so all the funk and soul came first for me. So the first record I really wanted was Grand Central Station. Oh, Larry Graham. Release Yourself, because that was had just come out. And then I got it for my birthday. After Sly. Yeah. And he was very, he became very well known in Washington, and the older brothers of my neighbor had seen him. I think him. he's Bay Area cat. Yeah, yeah. I know Sly was. Yeah, and he's like Sly's cousin or something. Yeah. And so he was very big in D.C. because Sly, um, there was a show that was Sly and the Family Stone and Graham Central Station, and then Sly didn't play. So Graham was told that, like, on stage. And so they just kept playing. So he won over like a DC crowd by, you know, playing for probably four hours that night or something, you know, or three hours. Earthquake. And, yeah, and he and this was this was after the first record only. That that happened during Graham's first record. So he was just playing anything they could think of. I think they were just, but it, but they carried the night. And they were played. Therefore, they were played a lot on. DC radio. I don't know if they were played that much, but that's what I was listening to. Like in the rest of the country, I don't know how big they got, but like they're big in SoCal. They were played, you know, a lot, and I was hearing them, and and we loved him, of course, because he had been in Sly. What's that sound? Oh no.
conversations Take care, okay
There is no other moment, just a moment. There is no other moment, just a moment that is here. We heard uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky by Joe Lally Trio. After that was the March of Merrillville by Bob Pollard. The Man Who Thought Death Was Dying by Spiel Gusher. That's Richard Meltzer hmm. with uh, some cats I play with. Uh, a new new song by Pixies called Bag Boy. I think first one in nine years. They got a new bass player. Oh, wow. The Lady from the Muffs. Huh. Uh, partisan song by Sonia de Marinaio. That's a band I got with an Andrea. A Belfi and uh, Stefano Palio. Oh, a nice. Bologna guy and a Verona guy. Uh-huh. And that's her debut album. And then uh, Last of the Civilized by Joel Alec Trio. Okay. Getting back to uh, Mr. Larry Graham. Yes. <laughs> you know the white bases you use now? <laughs> the Japanese ones by a company called Moon. I have a Larry Graham Moon. That's really? what I do most of my recording with. It's a, wow. It's kind of like a Fender Jazz, uh-huh. but even more happening, I think. They, they, they tilt this pickup, the front mm-hmm. one. That's so I don't use back pickup. Oh, I've seen him playing that thing. Like I've seen a video of him doing I think he's got a mic time. in his that can come in. Yeah, like yeah, Les yeah. Paul really weird, a little yeah. gooseneck. And he dresses like a little uh, yacht captain now with white hats and white. He was <laughs> yes, with he Prince does. a little bit. I think I saw that. I went in D.C. I went out and saw he's that. A, he's a big inspiration to me. Yeah, you know, it, it's so weird that, uh, I mean, I had no, you know, thoughts of playing music at the time. Yeah. Right. But, but this thing was really serious at that time. We were so into, like, I mean, that's all I knew was, like, funk and soul. You know, I had a couple of singles, like... Uh, I think I had bought like a Steeler's Wheel. You remember that remember song? Them. Stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yeah, that song. I you know, but then the rest of it was all like, you know, I watched Soul Train religiously. Tom Cordy's. Yeah, man, and and uh, all it's that Stone Cold Ohio, Groove. Ohio players. Uh, Great man. James Brown, you know, was just huge for me, and uh, Otis Redding, and then, anyway, just, and Sly, and then getting into Larry Graham was, you know, that's really weird What about Jamerson? You probably listened to Motown, right? Yeah. So Jamerson. So that's what the next step was, after seeing that, uh, after hearing, and getting that first record, and just kind of loving all that music, then we were kind of old enough for one of the brothers of my best friend to just go like, you know... They got to come to the shows, too. And and there were matinee shows that were all like... Mo- now that I think it's like almost all Motown stuff. So we saw like the Spinners, the Four Tops. Oh, yeah. They must have done evening shows, but they did afternoon Tams? shows that we could go to. I don't think I saw The Temptations, but I saw um, the Isley Brothers and the Jackson Five. And, uh, Smoking bands. And I was, you know, 11, I guess. You probably had one band and then the different singers had come up. Probably, you know, probably. Like, yeah. I, I was I seeing know. these in separate, like, installments. Like, I would see one band. Oh, they weren't a the whole thing. Okay. It okay. wasn't like a boom, boom, boom. It was, it was you'd see that one band, and you'd see a, a whole set by that band. So, okay. it was kind of great to, uh, to see all that stuff, because I, you know, I only listened to black radio, so I knew all that stuff. I, the OJs, saw the OJs. Good band. And so but you got into, to see the gigs. I was into all that stuff, and then good saw steps, it. right? Yeah, good singing. Yeah, man, like real shows. Yeah, 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 real showmanship. And then, and then I was, and then it was this as '74 that uh, Larry Graham came, and you know, in this, I think only "Release Yourself" was out at this point. I don't know if there was another, rec- if the third record was out yet, and. Um, 
which was Ain't No Bow to Doubt It, I guess. Yeah. And so maybe that was how, I'm not sure. But they came to the Capitol Center. And so it was a big arena, and uh, they broke the record that night. It was like 23,000 people. But I, but I stayed out till you know, I came home at 2, and my dad was basically like, that's the end of that. And so then I didn't see anything for Gig years. stop. <laughs> yeah, so... Damn, yeah, that's pretty, pretty uncool. But uh, <laughs> but Bobby Womack opened, and uh, and I guess somebody else. And, and, you know, and me and my friend, you know, we were like 11, or I don't think we even turned 12 yet. And, and we fell asleep during Bobby Womack. It was late, a lot of people smoking weed. Yeah. And uh, we kind of got up and Larry Graham was coming on and it was, you know, it was far away, but it was, it was phenomenal. And, wow. and so it's weird that I ended up playing bass because that is so different. Like the bass playing is so different, his kind of bass playing. Oh, yeah. Because you know, he, he developed that style from playing with his mother, playing gospel, she played piano. So he developed playing that way to hear himself. The thumb. Yeah, he he was like trying to like. She was left-handed, it's so heavy, and she just, yeah, they're just you know she's slamming like in the room, the, yeah, 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 like on a on so, a loud okay. piano. So he was he was like, I think it slowly came around naturally, to get the volume up, and uh, and it's crazy music. I mean, those first Graham records are like. High energy gospel. I don't know what to call them. I mean, yeah, yeah, just like, yeah. There's his bass playing. That's crazy. Yeah. Like you just don't do that normally. No. You can turn it into a rock thing or a funk thing or all these things, but all those the faster stuff is like a crazy gospel. And it comes from I think singing your heart out. Yeah. You know, it's not a restrained kind of thing. You got the spirit. Yeah. I see it translate and sing. One of the Neville brothers is making a documentary on background singers. Oh. And they get these, it's called 20 Feet from Stardom or something, because they're off the mic, the mm -hmm. main mic. Yeah. They sing strong. Yeah. I mean, Aretha up front, but a lot of these, like, And the they Stones. were sharing a mic, right? So they're like... It's competing, maybe. But, you know, like Give Me Shelter, you know. Yeah. That lady he's singing with. Yeah, like, she is incredible. You hear that isolated track? Recently? Thinking, yeah, yeah, well, I, I was hearing this thing about documenting. I think church has a... And Elvis learned to sing in church. I, I think there's something about this stuff. Of course, So yeah. maybe Larry, with that bass thing, that's interesting. He's just trying to get out there. Yeah. Uh, you got another song from... What's the name of this this album? This album is uh, Why Should I Get Used To It. There's a tune on there, too.
birthday cards from years ago. These will kill you slow. Is it worth this pain to grow? I guess I'll never know. Christmas toys and picture frames. All the photos locked away. Not to live with day by day. Just a walk down memory lane. So hang on to you, girl, 'cause this is an unfriendly world.
her mother had children and thinking she should, she tempted to love them. But my God, who could kill your children? Mrs. Brown, do your bit for tidy town. Remove your white trash from the gutter. Melt your sons for soap and butter. Every time I take a bath, I'll think of Malachi and laugh. I'll recall each punch and boast as I spread Martin on my toast. Drown the Browns. Their father had squatters, rights in three prisons. Their mother went conscious, could not make decisions. Imbibers of cider and pretty joy riders. Shot me two drivers as I made a glider, which they later smashed in woodwork class. They stole all the tools, but they still didn't pass. Drown the Browns.
hour if we're almost done yeah live for pedro show uh we heard uh start off that chunk with ken gar joe lally trio which i have been enlightened to the fact it's two different neighborhoods in abbreviations uh kensington garrett park yes what state maryland maryland yeah trippy maryland's trippy geography the way it straddles <laughs> it's really weird you're at the ocean and then you're like this thing that goes west yeah. and uh, yeah, it's trippy. DC's there, and yeah, yeah, it's trippy. Um, yeah, the Mason Dixon line is part of it. It is. A, it is a yeah. weird little. Okay, state. after that was uh, something new from Miggy and the Stooges' "Unfriendly World." Uh, Dirty Beaches, new from them. Belgrade, I think they're on tour right now. Uh, Down the Browns by an Irish band called Toasted Heretic, and then something new from Light out of Tokyo with Bond. Uh, isolated bass track for what's going on. James Jamerson doing the Marvin Gaye song. You can't hear Mr. Marvin there, or the drums or anything, but you can great. hear. Yeah. yeah, you know about the story, right? He did it on his back, yeah. Uh, and then finally, Coral and Starfish uh, from Joe Lally Trio, which is probably... I, sh I should mention that um, Emanuele Tomasi, who plays drums on my record, yeah. is just about to go to America with his band, which is called No High Banda Trio. I played them on my show. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so a bunch of his stuff. I like that. It. And they got a tour in the U.S., and they go in, like, I think it's August into September. But it's really long. It's like a month of touring in the U.S. Is that a rum band? 
Yeah, and that's really rare. People don't. Italian do guys tell me Roma bands only play Rome, except for Zoo, was I heard was the one that went yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really you know it's very typical, and, and Italian bands in general, it's very rare for them to get out, like Uzeda, you know, and so believe they were singing guys. Yeah, right? and and so and you then have, there was. Uh, and you uh, have some. What was raw power? There was some stuff going had, on in the nineties. We're going right? way back. Yeah. yeah, that's the eighties hardcore kind of music. Right, right. So you had like Cheetah Chrome Negazzoni, Cheetah Chrome motherfuckers. motherfuckers. Negazzoni. Of course, he had to have met. Is he still somehow. around? I haven't seen him in years, but he's a he got his head cracked open in Minimum Black Flag show in Milano. Whoa, maybe thirty-one years ago. That explains the madness of Sid. <laughs> So I hope he's doing good. I think oh, so. Man. It was years ago now. Yeah, I last saw him, but I hear. I think I hear things now and then. I think he's doing all right. So people should go see uh, his band they in the U.S. They can see No High Banda Trio. Are you they doing the whole him. dealio? They, you know that the bass player plays these two basses on a rack like pianos. <laughs> I mean, you know, people don't see that stuff. And I don't know what Americans will make of them, but they are, they're a wild ass But they're band. doing west, east, mid. I think they're getting all around. I haven't been able to... I just got the schedule from them, and I haven't been able to study it that well, so... Um, yeah, look around and see if they're coming near you. And he's the drumming. Who was he's the guitar man? And so the guitar lady was Elisa. Oh, it was a lady. Abella. Sorry. Yeah, um, and and uh, she hadn't played guitar. She hadn't really played much guitar live. I had I I pulled her out of Catania. She's also from Catania. I met her through Giovanna and Augustino's son, Sasha, um, from Uzeda. Those guys I met. Yeah. Uh, her as a friend of his when I went on tour with him as my drummer and his friend um, Giovanni uh, Federico as uh, my uh, Fiderio, scusa, as That's as okay. my uh, my violinist. So I had violin, drums, and bass. Damn. I did a lot of winging it, you know. That's all right. Tour. Let the freak track fly. <laughs> We're at the end of the first hour, July 2nd, 2013. Dishawa Pedro Shudge with Joe Lally. Hold tight for hour two. July 2nd, 2013. It's the second hour. A lot from Pedro's show.
jerking flabs of thought, I sing. Bugs scouring from thinning heights, blued my dirty fingers dream. Reporting not their mystery, just smiling like rubber ball facts. They've wrenched from my eyes hairdo, a deciduous quack. I cannot keep you clustered in coin, remotely shining like the wind. My, oh my, where we've been. Darling, we're covered in toys. We've tasted naught but lavished in sin. Thus salt encrusted, we lie and grin. Scattered to the corners, never even entangled by friends. Skeletons with crayons they are. They rip, crackle, and bite along. Snapping up snippets unsung, snarling croaks from the lipless, for run, careless the moon song sings, echoing rhymes across blank night, danced by the hipless, learnt to stretch time, juggle the broken continuum, reverse that mad river's flow. We dare fart the ode loudly. Soiled shirt harpoons, uncreased. Can we see the whales all turgid in their bronze case ease? Mechanically they sing, mouths opening like a rainbow. Smiling, unfrozen they scream. Fairly we hear a sighing tomorrow, farther than before we can see. Why write when the cave can sing? So... I ask myself, what perspective gives the tree? Lonesome but for every forest, silent but as caressed by the breeze, tall but when crossed by ripping saws, perhaps it's vibrating nerves we freeze. Pretend nothing hopeful unfolds, that colorlessness shall ever pervade. Or when next a breath draws, Emptiness like not knowing breaks. No, swim instead in it. Revel amid every moment and smile. Ills perceived can wash clean. Unlike whatever answers we want. We live water as air flowing through thought. Good as long as we don't want as much anymore. We are refreshed.
Pedro Show started the second hour off with uh, What Makes You by Joe Lally Trio. Yeah, bad phrasing. What makes you? What makes you? Yeah, you know, that's the, I guess there is no uh, Why Should I Get Used to It. It's just in the chorus. But the song is called What Makes You. When you asked me, I actually, I forgot that Oh. that's not the title of a song on the record. Okay. Right? No. I, I start off out with hour three with it. <laughs> why Should I Get Used to It? You're right. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> you only write it, here. man. You only write Wait a minute, what make yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, and uh <laughs> then we heard uh Punk by uh oh Punk La Vie 
Un- oh, God, I threw the early life. We're doing our best. Yeah, right. Like deer hunter, new thing. <laughs> Have you ever met this cat? Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, he's, he's Bradford out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting cat. Some of these young punk guys I meet. Uh, yeah, they. Mm. Yeah, it was. He's he's a tripper. I like him a lot. And then, uh, uh, downward by the paranoid critical revolution. That's mm-hmm. uh, Red Shoes. Runs. Uh, what's, what's his name? Glenn, Glenn Brankas. Oh, she's oh, married to him. He's out with a new band. I heard our new piece. And uh, then um, Chris Skoger with a, a poem, our undulate goo. Undulate goo, that's it, undulate. That's a big, <laughs> big word there. They're hard titles. Right, and Tara Melos, brand new, out of Sacktown, with uh, Melody 9, I think uh, the guitar man, maybe 40 pedals. Bass man Nathan, <laughs> maybe 30 pedals. Wow. Drummer, only hi-hat and kick drum pedal. What's up with that? He told me he used to be in a band called Harry and the Potters. And a lot of people in wizard costumes would show. <laughs> he got out of that quick. And, then, and finally, uh, Ministry of the Interior by Joe Lally Trio. And we're here with Joe Lally, my guest. Uh, we're just at the point where he's not allowed to go to any more gigs. Yeah, what a drag. Um, so that was, I was in about fifth or sixth grade going, I guess that was sixth grade or the summer before when that happened. And then... Uh, and then, you know, you go into junior high school, and uh, uh, I started out kind of normal. Then I got a chicken pox and, and missed two weeks of school. Ooh. And s- something happened there. I think it was like a hormonal thing, because uh, everything started to change after that. I started thinking about drugs for some reason. I'm not sure why. But by the time eighth grade came along, I had completely changed the group of people I was hanging around with, and uh, therefore was introduced to hard rock. Ah. And, and of course, had my, you know, sister's collection to kind of go to. She was now kind of back, or had left her record collection at the house because she had gone away to college, come back, then gone away to kind of work, maybe in Baltimore. And so there was, you know, all these rock records around. So I was discovering, you know, Zeppelin and uh, Yes and, and Aerosmith and stuff. So I was uh, doing a lot of drawing, you know, smoking weed, I guess, and um, various other things. And and just listening to all this hard rock, so so the kind of the era of listening to only black music was then replaced by catching up to all this rock that had, you know, passed me by. So '77 comes, Zeppelin comes, and I was I didn't even ask my dad. <laughs> I didn't go. I couldn't go. So I didn't even ask about going to that show. So I missed Zeppelin in '77. Oh, you didn't go. You didn't sneak. But I just heard the audio. On uh, it just happened. I don't know. Somehow I came across it on on YouTube, and the audio is up. And man, it is really taking a lot of. I mean, they go out there. Pages. I think he's kind of a mess. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's just all over the place, man. It's it's crazy. But you know, to have seen them, I would have loved to have seen them. And um, it's a lot of jamming. You didn't get to see any of those rock gigs. So I missed a lot of that stuff. So yeah. it's only from records. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, and I was, but I was studying it pretty hard, and that—that's what I realized. By the time I went through all that, and all that, and I had tried like every drug under the sun that was available to me uh, through junior high school. So by the time I was, um, really, I started at thirteen doing all this kind of crazy stuff, and then um, listening to all that music, and then I really wanted something different. By the time I got 
was getting out of junior high school by ninth grade, tenth going into tenth grade, I was like, you know, come on, because the hard rock was looking pretty bleak. Yeah. You know, that was it. Kind of brought me up to date with what was going on presently, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of this shit sucks, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And out loud. And then the it was right on time for punk rock. So going, you know, seventy eight. At this point, you ain't even touched the bass. No. And and seventy. Just a listener. <laughs> yeah, man. Former gig goer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really weird. I was already retired from going to shows, and so seventy eight. Uh, I go into this. I was referred by my art teacher to this different school. So now again, I oh, change. Your artist. Draw, paint. Yeah, I was just. I was mostly drawing because there wasn't really the, the the supplies yet to be into you know painting. So I, I had. I was just drawing all the time. Yeah. So uh, my art teacher says, like, you should go to this high school. So then went to, all my friends were bused to a different high school, and then a closer high school caught a ride with a friend. Um, he, he, so I, I went to that high school instead to this special art class, which was like three periods of the day. So you could come from the county anywhere and take the morning or the afternoon. Like half your day. Yeah. So Dang. that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, because I had an electric shop. For half my day. Wow. Fixing TVs. Who fixes TVs? Yeah, man. If I had another one, don't. <laughs> good old day. You take a test, I guess you'd score something. And like, you win. That's that's a crazy wow. art to have developed at that time. Well, it's kind of Because then it died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It totally died, died out. And also the use of slide rules. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So... So, so, what is, so you're going to the school? So in that class, over the summer, before high school started, I took the summer class of this, this art class. And this guy, this teacher was really great. What's his name? His name was Tom Kozar. Thank you, Tom Kozar. And then he got, and he was really teaching, like, to prepare you seriously for going to art in, you know, take studying art in university or college. And he, he was serious, man. And it was kind of, it was kind of scary, you know, because he was like, you know, I brought in all these pictures, like, because you had to bring a portfolio. I brought in these, you know, drawings I did from models when I was in, you know, ninth grade from people sitting on a desk in class and you draw them. But then also all the stuff I drew, but they're all from pictures. And so the first thing he did was kind of go like, we don't draw from pictures, you know. And, and I was like, whoa, you know, heavy. But he, he was serious. Was it going to be babysitting? But he, <laughs> so great. I learned a lot from him, but yeah. then he was, within a year, he was out. He got kicked out because he was, he was naughty. Okay. And he, had, he was doing things that weren't right, Oops. like letting, like we went to this, um, we had a field trip, went camping, you know, just drawing out in nature. Damn. But, you know, he let us sit there and, and, you know, take bong hits in front of him. Yeah. So later he was, when he was like on the rack and, you know, in trouble, yeah. he like, he looked at me because he remembered like, he, he was just like, and, you know, and you all aren't, and the people who aren't standing up for me. It's like, yo, oh you were supposed to be fooling around with girls in the class. What am I supposed to, like, what the fuck? I was, well, he was really cool and let me smoke pot in front of him. I mean, I don't know. You know, some of the girls we knew, so we, I don't know. It was a horrible situation. That was horrible. And he was replaced by a guy who did just the opposite and was kind of like, you can take this picture from, you know, this magazine and this picture from this magazine and put, like, take your ideas and put them together and then you have your new picture and, like, just prepared portfolios, like, by the book to go, to get into college. Oh, man. And he was great at it. He got a lot of people into, 
you, you know, universities and stuff. And I probably should have because I was good, but I just didn't care at that point anymore. Because yeah. yeah. I, I, my parents were like, commercial art. And I was just like, what? I didn't get it. Yeah. So I, I just... You didn't want to be a Raymond Pedro. I, I wrecked all that. Well, I just... Or you wanted to be a I'm Raymond I'm sure Pedro. I did. But I, I, you know, and I didn't know about him at the time. But um, So anyway. He, you know what he got his degree in? What? Economics. Wow. In 19 from UCLA. So you see... What does that have Shows to do to with go anything? Shows you just, to you go. Just, you just do you, you do what's right for you, yeah. you know, for you, and and you make your way, you know. But anyway, I I got turned on that summer before high school started. I started getting turned on to punk rock by a guy in that class, and he and he was a little older, and he, the the following year, man, I just got you know barraged with all this incredible punk rock, and he listened to the one radio station, Georgetown University had a punk rock radio station and it didn't last much longer and it got yanked because they just said whatever they wanted to and they were like this is a nice school and you have behaved very badly and a lot of people getting punished huh in my little biography here but, oh Hoyas. <laughs> so they they sold the station for like a buck all the equipment to somebody else like who was going to treat would it would not nicely. play that music <laughs> and there was a very famous like um show for to raise money for them to you know just save this you know station and <clears throat> that was the cramps chumps and the urban verbs played this show and hr was there and ian was there and Guy was there and anyone who was in a band with you know later that was, was at that the show. gig they went ape shit i didn't see that show but they went cra- okay. people just started no i've heard about chairs. it ian told me about <laughs> yeah, this gig sure. here let's hear some music good chances sure. Thank you. 
Hele uka sitter jeg og skal prøve å være dritsmart. Men når helga kommer, kan jeg endelig være meg selv. For det må da være lov en gang iblant å senke skuldra. Kroksa står i gangen, og jeg tar meg en vørterøll. For det må da være lov til å snobbe litt ned, inn i evig hari, både du og jeg. Ja, det må da være lov til å rusle litt rundt i grilldress i ny og ned. For selv om jeg er hipster fra morgen til kveld, sier jeg som de gjør i Paradise Hotel. Det må være lov til å være seg selv, 110 prosent. For den ene dagen tar jeg en lunsj med Harald Eia. Champis med han Ari, ja jeg blir jo ofte klein. Men selv om dere er gøy, blir jeg lei den kule greia. Da er det mye bedre å drikke pils med chartersvein. For det må da være lov til å innrømme det, at danskebåten er et superpartisted. Ja, det må da være lov til å høre litt på, sputnikke ny og ned. Ja, det må da være lov å dra til Sverige iblant, det er jo bare drittfekt og fosspartingsland. Jeg er ikke engang flau for å innrømme at jeg sparer til trailer bort. Selv om jeg burde sett på skavlene, trivs jeg aller best med dansband. Koser meg med rulling som jeger meister eller to. Jeg er den smarteste i klassen, men jeg har da pels på dassen. Og det hender at jeg slår meg løs på karaokebar. For det må da være lov til å kose seg med, Rødvind på kartong og bit med litt vær ned Ja, det må da være lov til å ta seg en klunk Med hjembrent i ny og ned For selv om jeg har lest både Ibsen og Voltaire Er det ingentingen som kan slå det her Du kan mene hva du vil, men for meg er det et møst Å blande på noen silikonbrøst En forverra helt seg selv, 110 prosent 110 prosent
think us women were like machines. They need a mother, a lover, and a friend. And I can't be these three at the same time. So I gotta tell you, ha, ha, ha. Everything is way up 
just heard Nothing to Lose, Joe Lally Trio. Ahead of that was Luomo Pila by Tubacks, Eddie Lalladay by Dot, Dot Hacker. You might know some guy named Josh Klinghoffer. I do know Josh. Right. He's in that proj. Because huh. an associate of John. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're in the taxi together Okay. for a moment. Uh, the, the Bad in You by Otis B, which is O. I don't know if you know him. He's doing sound for Dinosaur and Boris these o. days. Yeah. Everybody knows O, of course. That's insane. It does. It is. It's insane how he knows everyone. San Diego oh, yeah. Cat, yeah. yeah. And uh, ahead of that, a Barcelona band called The Excitements doing Ha Ha Ha. Oslo Motherfuckers in front of that with Private Sector, which has some of the Turbo Negro guys, mm-hmm. which has got Happy Tom before that with For Det Ma Da Vira Lof. I got to see him in Oslo. I love Happy Tom. And started off with Revealed in Fever, Joe Lally Trio. So, where does that bring us to in the, in the story? Well, this my friend Ivan Martinez, who yeah. I met in this art class, he just took me to so many shows, you know. I just saw so many shows. So I saw, you know, in 79, I saw, um, I think the B-52s was the first show. And it was in, really intense, you know. You think about the B-52s now, it doesn't seem like much. But that blew my mind, you know, because I had Boys seen the these. <laughs> I'd seen these formal kind of shows, and then I saw the one, you know, arena show, and then I think, you know, in tenth grade or something, I saw someone took me like had gave me a ticket to a Rush show or something, you know. Ooh, and fell so asleep. I, yeah, so I, I saw, fell asleep at two Rush shows. I only went to two. They were thirty years apart. I fell asleep <laughs> in both of them. They did like a you know, like a a drug, like a a lullaby. Um, so. <laughs> So I had just seen sort of these formal things. So seeing, you know, at the Ontario Theater, my little movie theater, and just the crowd crushed at the front of the stage, and, yeah. you know, scared the shit out of me, basically. Yeah, yeah. But it was the B-52s, and they were working their asses off, you know. And it was 79, so it was pretty early. And they work really hard. They were, the, Ricky was just like, there was a pool of sweat on the ground, you know, playing rock. I think I had the record of 52 names or something on the other side. And yeah. They, just real enough names. Yeah, they were, they were. No uh, bass player, girls. I think, so, right? right? 52 girls. That's yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, but they were a super intense band to see. And, and I was seeing like some local bands, like in, in one way, just whatever was going on at the 930, we'd go there and, you know, hang out. I was a poser, you know, putting on whatever clothes or something, but. At the same time, like I said, he he taped. He had a real a real tape recorder and would and would record the um, WGTB, the Georgetown University station shows. And so, like we were hearing all this, you know, I was hearing a lot of punk rock that way, and everything. Real, to me, no, every, real. Yeah, everything. I've never was, heard anybody. I know, isn't it weird? He got it from his dad or Have something. To take a while to get it on there. <laughs> yeah. So we'd be sitting at his house, like you know, getting I listening to like the real the real tape of the show. <laughs> and then he'd make tapes off that, and we'd listen to him in his car. Cassettes. And yeah, man, it was. Anyway, he was just so. Cassettes were big in the old days. He's a little older than me, and he just knew, it, and he knew all this. He music. was a cat who passed it on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it just, I, I got turned on to so much, you know, punk rock that way, and so, you know, I was just hearing everything, and I thought it was all the same thing, you know. And he, he was gay too, so he also listened to, just crazy shit like you know, Visage. Or something, you know, like English. this weird yeah. English, new romantic, band. yeah, new romantic stuff, and then, and then, but then, you know, I mean, we knew, you know, early damned, and just all, just everything, and it was, and it blew my mind. So we saw the Clash in '79, and uh, that was unbelievable, and took, you know, took a little acid for that show, 
and then um, saw um, Iggy Pop in 1980, and that just fucked me up, man. That's <laughs> I was, the one with Bowie. That was no. This was oh. this was the Soldier tour. So it was like. Uh, I know about Soldier. Uh, James got fired from. He told me the whole. Yeah, thing. Ivan Kroll, maybe and whoever. I mean, maybe I'm not, Matlock on bass. Yeah, and He's and on the just. Record. I, yeah, I'm not even sure the. I mean, but it was that was like seeing like. I mean, I don't know. For some reason, that show just. I was like, "What is that?" You know. Yeah, yeah. That really struck me like, alien trying to pass himself off as a human being. <laughs> like it was really like, something else. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was really like zapped me at that show. I was just like, that really blew me away. And and anyway, other thing about this art class. There's a guy in the class named Dave Williams. He's in a band at the time, and he's trying to. And he's older than me too. And he's trying to convince me, you should come see my band. You, know, you should come see my band. We do a bunch of these music we're listening to. We we cover the Saints and the Damned and the Sex Pistols, and then we do our own like you know kind of heavy metal kind of rock. You know, we were like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, it didn't make any sense. He was really long, like dyed black hair. Yeah. Don't long hair, and so we were just kind of like, whatever, man. You know, and so finally we go see them. The Obsessed, when they oh, open, wow. open That's for the Dead right? Yeah, and they open for the Dead Boys. So we go see them, open for the Dead Boys, and 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 it was kind of hard not to like get into it because like it was crazy as hell, you know. Yeah. They were they were super like you know doomy looking and they they you know gloomy looking and and glammy looking, playing really heavy music, awesome versions of these covers that they're doing. And then they had the singer at the time, and so they were kind of a, a strange uh, version of what the obsessed would later be, because Wino wasn't singing, but he had wrote all those tunes, and this guy Vance was singing. And he was a total showman frontman, and so he had like all these bandanas wrapped, you know, around his head and knees and shit, and cut off, you know, leather uh, leather jacket with a cut off jean jacket around it or something, you know, and like weird layered look. What it turned out to be was the way Steve Bader's looked in Lords of the New Church after he oh, met Vance. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it was really weird. They supposedly followed him, followed the obsessed back to their house. And he had some of the sham guys. Maybe. For, for I didn't new, know that. The New Church, yeah. I didn't know that stuff, but I realized when I saw it, I Maybe was like, Maybe the damn Whoa. guy, too. Maybe, yeah. It was a bunch of ex-guys from England. Uh-huh. And I think he got hit by a car in Paris. And yeah. Yeah, later on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, so I like Dead Boys, I saw them. Yeah, so, you know, suddenly I got turned on to uh, what was the local band that was also like a guy who was from Maryland, you know? They were from Maryland. Sure. And then it turned out that they were from right near me, you know? They were from like the couple of neighborhoods away. And I was going to visit them at their house, and then the first thing, you know, I go over to see Dave, and he's not there, but Wino's there. And I had seen them now a couple of times because after that one show, I just went and see. And they would play every little tiny club everywhere in D.C. And there was, you know, and they were really intense shows because they were in your face. And and the singer Vance was like attacking the audience and shit, yeah. and wrecking the club. And um, and so I sat down and had this talk, you know, for the first time with Wino, and I was kind of like, you know, whoa, you know, scary dude because he looked really mean, but he had on makeup, you know. So it was this. Kind of like he'd tear your head off and eat you or something kind of thing. So I'm sitting there talking to him, and we have this big conversation about all the music we're into, and I was telling him about Joy Division. And before I left the house, he handed me raw power and was like, you got to listen to this. 
And so that guy like, has makeup on. I was like, okay, man. You know. And so <laughs> the next time I came to the house, I brought like Joy Division records, and I was like, you guys got to hear this, you know. <laughs> and they really got into it, With the which Joy Division. was kind of weird. But they had this whole take on it, like you know, whoa. This is a heavy dude, you know. This is really heavy shit. Wow. And they really like went there and got into it, and we had this big exchange of like, you know, what we were into. And I, you know, so I started dressing more glammy, like going to see them play and shit, and uh, you know, more or less in drag to go see them and and just love them, you know. And then they moved. When I first moved out of my parents' house, I moved three blocks away into Wino's house, into yeah. a, to a group house. We're then in the second hour. July 2, 2013. Very incredible story here about, uh, yeah, Joe Lally's musical journey. More. Hold tight for hour three. Uh, July 2nd, 2013. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Thank you. 
In the heart of the Mississippi Valley A storm did come one Monday, May Day Severe they called it Large hail, heavy winds My heart very heavy waiting for The rain to wash my sins away But I don't think that it will happen today No, I don't think that it will happen today It stalled over Arkansas After killing ten in Texas Now all we can do is wait in the heart of the Mississippi Valley Yes, all we can do is wait in the heart of the Mississippi Valley Mississippi Valley The storm did come one Monday May Day Severe they called it You better run for cover My heart very heavy Waiting for the rain To wash my sins away I don't think that it will Happen today No I don't think that it will Happen today No, I don't think that it will happen today.
we're now played by the count of five.
squad for Pedro show. Uh, start off the third hour with Let It Burn. Joe Lally uh, Trio uh, composition that started with the uh, Bateria. Yeah, it was, I had to realize I had to focus on the drums to make that song sound right because it just didn't make any sense. It's a bunch of pieces that don't seem to fit together, I think. But really, what does carry that is is the fluidity, the, yeah. the so basic, the free playing of, of Lele, Emanuele, on, on that song. And so I ended up putting up the drums first, making that yeah. the centerpiece, and then putting everything else behind it, and then it made sense. Yeah. After that, we heard uh, Odd Man Out by the um, Meditation Trio, which has got Brother Steve McKay on the saxophone. Uh, I'm a Doctor by Ho Hum, uh, the Weather Channel song by Misty White, Ain't No Mercy in This Cruel Old World by the Kings of Lower Town, from Canada. Stefano Palia, too much fun. Stefano is in my. Hmm. And then Psychota uh, by Giovanni Aldopo Gim. And Psychotic Reaction, something live from television, 1974. Cool. Uh, and finally, Trouble at the Cup by Black Randy and the Metro Squad. The cup, Gold Cup was this gay hangout pad by the mask. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was from Pedro, 30 miles south of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I met D. Boone, the only rock band he knew was Creedence. Mm-hmm. And his mom wanted us to play after school, you know, and... I couldn't hear the bass on them creeds. I couldn't hear Larry Graham on the Sly records. Yeah. So I thought, well, if I wear the singer's shirt, maybe Dee Boone will still like me because I can't <laughs> hear the bass. For sure. So we're gonna, we, we, we jumped okay. a little ahead by going to Wino's house because so before, you find the bass before that. Yeah, so before I moved in with Wino and and uh, the drummer who I had, I had met Wino through, Dave Williams, he, he had graduated high school before me. Yeah. And... Uh, and the drummer that uh, I had gone, I had gone to this high school. I mentioned someone whose mother took me to high school. That was Ed Gooley. Yeah. He was a drummer who, when Dave Williams left The Obsessed, I, you know, I had introduced Eddie to The Obsessed, and he quit the band he was in when he after he saw The Obsessed. He like next day he was like, yeah, what we're doing is like just not right. So I just saw his band last. Like that's what it is. That's what music is. And I quit. And so yeah. he ended up being the drummer. You might obsessed. call that a profound experience. <laughs> <laughs> he quit. Um, he quit that. But anyway, he became the drummer of the Obsessed when Damn. Dave Williams left. And so in '83, he's just happened. waiting. No, just because it just happened. Suddenly, yeah, Dave, yeah. Dave went off to school. Okay. And that was it. And then they were like, well, you know. And they used to call Eddie Head. Head, you gonna play? Dr- you wanna play drums? And so he he was so jacked up that they were playing everything at like you know thirty miles an hour. I mean thirty <laughs> miles, hundred miles an hour. But um, so he had to he had to try and chill out. But he was he was a hyperactive kid, okay. But anyway, uh, so so before I moved into the house, uh, I had graduated from high school. And uh, a friend who I'd met in the same art class who was still in high school, no, um, who was a year behind me, was now in, um, so now this is like 82 or 83, you know, this is how long it took me to start. He was away at school in New York, came home to see a minor threat show, and we ran into each other at this show, and Ian had lost his voice, you know, 
could barely sing the show, so the whole crowd was singing the show. But, you know, it was typically just a great minor threat show because those guys wrote great songs and performed great live. But, of course, we walked out and were just like, man, he didn't even sing half the songs. We can do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally empowerment. Abstra- yeah, like strange, strange perception of the, of the gig, like, caused us to think that way. And he was, and my friend Peter Cortner was like, well, I'm going to sing. I swear, Joe, me and Dee Boone, the first punk gig we saw, the first thing I said to you, to Dee Boone was, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what punk Just, was it, about. It is, man. You saw the show that made you think that. You saw a bunch of shows that put that across, and like I, tr- I was like going to be a drummer or whatever, and I tried to sing with some people once, you know, but I, I had no voice. And so it wasn't until... You know, really, we had that, we saw that show, and he was just like, I'm going to sing, that I really took it seriously, and, and was like, well, okay, I'll play bass. Because by then, listening to, like, Public Image, and, you know, which was really profound for me, listening to Public John Image, and, and listening to Joy Division, the bass was just oh, yeah, that mapped cat. out it was so loud. well. It was like... Big part of the song. It's like, this is the bass line. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. I related that. You're talking that black record with the little mountains in the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everything, I, everything yeah. I could listen to by them was just like profound. You know, yeah. it was just so straightforward about what was happening in the music. It was like the guitar does this and the bass does yeah, that and the drums yeah. do this. And because of getting into punk, you know, and and reggae at the same time, because the the WGTB or or even any other. One station, FM station, played like kind of different music, but at night they had a reggae show, and so you could you could hear that, and then at shows you would hear people playing dub and other stuff, and that made sense to me. And like seeing, I think I saw Bob Marley on TV in like '79 or something on Rock. Oh, Rock I shows. saw that tour at the Poly Pavilion. Wow, Family yeah. Man. Um, Exodus. I saw the song Exodus on TV, and I just was like, whoa. And it, it, you know what I mean? I didn't know what to make of it. Like, it was this whole thing. I just was I didn't like, either. He had a punky whoa. reggae so- party song. <laughs> and then there was weird things in the class shit. We did, it was not like Ramones. And so right. we thought there was a connection. Yeah. We were so stupid, man. Yeah, we yeah. We had to learn all this shit. Yeah. yeah, and we did, you know, it was having a weird perspective of it, of it all that helped. Because yeah. it was all somehow, well, you just related it the only way you could. No one put it to you as being separated. So yeah, to us, yeah, it was yeah, all... Yeah, yeah. One thing. So I related what I heard in in Bob Marley and what I heard in um, Public Image uh, with what I had heard in James Brown and Funkadelic and everything else. Like something about it made sense with the bass line being repetitive. And it just made me go like, oh, I can play bass. I don't know. So I was like, I'll play bass. And I had a job at the time. I had this stupid job where I took care of like printers and things in a computer room for NASA. Whoa. <laughs> like, and, uh, and I, well, first I worked in a warehouse where we took care of analog and digital tapes. I was basically a librarian, like who drove a forklift and just moved pallets of like these tapes on, in boxes on skids. It was a really, it was really weird. But anyway, and now all of that was, pr- was now jack. probably replaced by like a hard drive this big. Yeah, like yeah. the whole thing that I did. But I worked at a clutch warehouse. You got I tell people there's an art to that because the the front wheels don't turn. Right. It's not like driving a car. You gotta know where it's gonna end up. There's yeah, it's there's, true. there's some technique. <laughs> true. 
So you're doing the bass, or you want to do the bass? So me, so me and Peter just get like, the bass? boom. I literally because I had a job, I just went out and bought, bought a bass. Okay. I, I think I went to Mark Lowry from the Obsessed, and I was like, I'm gonna buy. Like, what do I buy? And we went to this music store, and he was like, you know, this isn't bad. I don't know why he told me. Probably because it was just affordable. It was an Aria Pro Two double cutaway thing, you know. And so that was my first bass, because Mark told me to get it, you know. I didn't know it from anything. And literally after I got it, I, like, went to his house, and I was like, well, now here it is, you know. Like, <laughs> now what do I work. do with it, you know. And he, and he, and he just, I don't know, I have no memory of what he showed me, you know. I don't know what he told me. I'm sure he told me something. And he probably told me, like, you know, what it did, you know, how it worked. How does this work, you know. But no way and I, and I literally, I bought that, and just one by one, I bought, like, I bought this Music Man. It's a great head for guitar playing. Why no later played guitars with the same head? Okay. It was a 150-something, a Music Man amplifier, tube mm. amplifier. And this big-ass cabinet that didn't go with it, I don't think. It was 415s. Wow, that's big. You know, that were, like, folded in? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. weird... Uh, Pointed backwards or up. Acoustic. Made Acoustic, this. okay, blue, black. So I had this just this weird giant heavy equipment. Yeah, really weird. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I must have weighed a lot. So like I just, you know, I had to lug this over to like my guy you know, my friend's basement, you know. And then we played, you know, and we just started writing songs. And Peter could put like notes together to make songs make sense, but he didn't know how to do anything, you know, play any instrument. And I didn't know how to do that, like make notes follow each other. But like if you showed me some I could I had rhythm and I could play. And so I think like I had seriously studied music all this time. That's looking back, I think yeah. that I took it so seriously from the beginning and the whole like R and B injection and soul and funk, you know, that was really I think School. it was pretty deep in yeah. me. Yeah. And so when I went to pick up a bass, the And so we just found It's just two guys, yeah, right? Yeah, we just found okay. people to to play with okay. us. So That's so, what me and Deep Boone did too. Yeah, who was, who was the f very first drummer was uh, a friend that Peter uh, brought in. And then I, and then I asked a, a guy I knew from you know, junior high school, still knew, and I knew he played guitar. And so we just started, you know, and I mean, we're, yeah, we just know what we're doing. We're just writing songs. We just wrote, just wrote songs. And, you know, the bass lines were like, usually like, you know, Part A and Part B, you know, okay. and I'm still like. But that. was there a plan like we're gonna do gigs? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as soon as we could play a song, we wanted to go play. We played uh, an art opening, you know, for uh, a friend's mother, and so we played in um, a hair salon where her sh photos were showed, you know, her paintings were showed, and 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 it was literally just a it was smaller than the, your room here. And, you know, that was awesome. We went and played a show, and then we played someone's basement. And so that first band was called Lunchbox, and we played those two two shows. And the second sh uh, show was, you know, an old friend who had been in the art class I was in, and she asked me to play, and then she was just like, you know, this is that punk shit, isn't it? She wasn't very happy about us playing her party, I think, in, in the end. And then... Uh, and then we did another band, because we were basically just trying to keep the band going, people kept leaving, you know, so we, we were just, you know, we were grabbing this person and that person and trying to do bands, and so the second band was called Pitbull, and, uh, you know, we I think we played two shows with that band, one was like in the backyard of the house that I lived in, and the other one was at a was at a club, which was a restaurant turned into a club, it was at King Kong, it was a Chinese restaurant that was made into a club in uh, College Park, where I was living at the time. I was living in College Park.
Now, why'd that only last two gigs? I, you know, and then and then it just went. Yeah. I mean, P- Peter really was really, you know, very opinionated about music, very strong personality about music. So we we even when he made like little cassettes of us, he would you know write something like insane on it, like you know, fuck the DC vets, you know, because they don't fucking care about what we're doing, you know. And I'd be like, what, you know, what are you talking about? I mean, he just was so uh, sarcastic and absurd about the way, you know. I just I kind of Take it just put us in different. Step. Yeah, just put us in different directions. I don't know why. And then and then he uh, and then he tried out singing for um, Dag Nasty coming together for Brian Baker, and then he became Dag Nasty's singer after wow. the first singer left. And and uh, so he's and one on of those guys that with Billy was a descendant. Yeah, and Dag so Nasty's he got a weird. Yeah, and then he so he like yeah moved out to California. Yeah, and, right, and, right. Uh, and then the first guy that Ian and I played with, um, Colin, playing drums, he left us to to go back on tour with Dag Nasty. You know, we we're like, okay, you know, and it was just that's how something about that band. Kind of went but so what, what what happens? So we just yeah we just play and we practiced a bit in that house. Uh, like one time our drummer couldn't show up, so Wino sat there at the drums and was like, I'll I'll sit in for you. He just went like, dum ka dum ka dum ka, played like you know. It really helped, and and uh, and do you know just being there, and actually Eddie, who was playing in the Obsessed at the time, filled in for a drummer. Uh, in Pitbull, we had this guitar player Dave Smith, who swears he taught me to play bass the last time I saw him. I hadn't seen him in twenty five years, and he was like, oh, "Yeah, you know, people, I tell people, yeah, I played with Joe Lally, and I taught him how to play bass." And I was like, "Really?" I was like, well, I got a fucking bone to pick with you, motherfucker, because I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing at that point. He's lucky he didn't get hit, which is something I don't do. But uh, anyway, um, Eddie Eddie played uh, drums with us, which was wild, because we had like this drummer Dave had brought in, and he, and he just had this giant drum set, but just didn't hit like you tippy tap yeah and then when we then when we had eddie in because like we got a show we're gonna play this king kong's place we're like you know we need to get and so eddie was like okay i'll play you know so when we played the songs with eddie suddenly like i could play bass like i could really play and i realized he was grooving i suddenly realized like shit it really makes a difference (laughs) and so that taught me a lot but you know so everything you do is just teaching you everything as you go along and invest in the next and I probably did learn some things about playing Dave's music but it was just playing his songs none of which I remember but that went on uh, and then I hurt myself at work uh, cut these fingers to the bone cut this finger oh. to the bone um, and uh, you know just couldn't play for a while and um, then um had moved out of Wino's house and was, you know, after that and had lived somewhere and it was, hand was healing, I guess, through all of that. And then just kind of tried, just started to try and play bass again with some guy putting together a band, this guy Kenny Dredd, and uh, wasn't very good at it. And that that was like, ba- um, Beefeater was about to go on tour and I knew Fred Smith because he had seen uh, the Obsessed shows. He was a big Obsessed fan. So we were there seeing those shows. And that's when my life changed, man. I was like, I had this government job, worked for yeah. a contractor for NASA. Yeah. And so I was like, Fred, save my life. Take me on tour. So now it's 1986. Yeah. And uh, they took me on tour for two months in the summer of 86, across the United States for the first time. You know, I left the East Coast, saw the States. I had never been into Canada, went with them into Canada, all the way to the West Coast. 
you know, it was just blew my mind. They were, I thought they were the greatest. You learned some bass. And I watched, and I and I just watched what was going on, watching Doug play. Yeah. Just, I thought they were the greatest band on earth, you know, and, and it could set up Kenny's drums to, like, almost exactly the way he wanted. You know, I really was like, I'm in this band, but I just, you know, I was their dog, but, you know, I was, I was... That's when it really, really, really hit me, like, what it was to be in a band. Because mm-hmm. I, I did, you know, I basically sold my future to do that. I, I had paid you know vacation and paid you know i had all the benefits dental health everything and and a, and free schooling for computers between 82 and 86 i could have done 4 years which would help me right now <laughs> and i didn't do any of that shit you know because i hated that i was like i don't want to fucking sit in front of a computer <laughs> no offense mr computer but uh i was i just didn't want to do that stuff and and uh Anyway, it, it really was something to, to go and see the world, basically, was what I was doing with them. When you came home? Yeah, man, I came home and I, I just didn't have anything. And uh, and we left from Discord House because the band met there. Tomas, the singer, lived at Discord. We got our stuff together there to leave. And I spoke with Ian briefly for the first time there, really. Um, I had spoken to him at Yesterday and Today, the record store he worked at, but mm-hmm. that was very brief, and he you know, didn't even remember talking to me there. I just said, hey, aren't you in a band now? Because he didn't have a band at the time. And uh, we didn't really you know, connect in any way. But we were about to leave on this tour, so I spoke to him about um, the police raiding the house that I lived in in College Park. And so he was like, oh, yeah, I read about that in the paper. Because <laughs> we got accused of you know, worshipping the devil and stuff. That's a whole other story. But uh, we we spoke before I left on that tour, and then when we came back, I didn't really have a place to stay, so Tomas was like, just crash here, and uh, in the morning, you know, Ian was like, why don't I take you all to lunch today, and we'll talk about the tour. So he took us, you know, to, I mean, it was just incredible. I was just sitting there with, with Tomas and, and Ian having lunch, talking about the whole tour, and I think he could see that, like, the band, the band kind of, the tour kind of split that band, yeah, because they were two guys who were like this and two guys who were like that yeah. and and uh, they asked me to be vegetarian on the tour for example because two of them were and I was like man I'll fucking walk on my hands just take me on tour with you sure, sure. so I was like I became a vegetarian I got away from like the, I was really wanting to get away from drugs but I was still just about to score like you know 100 hits of Valium before we left but then it didn't come through and I just couldn't you know get away from that way of thinking. I just yeah. couldn't get out of that. And so that tour did all that for me. Like, in a nutshell, just boom, I was able to, like, move out of a whole way of life that was killing me into, you know, to a w- different way of looking at everything. And going out with, especially Tomas, you know, and Doug just kind of being different kind of characters. Kenny and Fred were more like me already, right, right. you know. But I came back from that, and I lived with Fred for a while, you know. and, and But just... That first week after we had that conversation with Ian, he called me up, and I was at my girlfriend's uh, sister's apartment. We were like house sitting her apartment, and he, you know, just was like, "So do you want to come play bass? You know, with this new thing I'm doing, I got a drummer, Colin, who's going to play." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." He never saw me play bass. He never, you know what I mean? He he was just I, this was based to me. This was based on our conversation. But I sang, you know, when I was on tour with Beefeater, when we were in Fresno, I think I did the first show, I, I sang Pay to Come what with the band. Thing. After the show, they were like, get, you know, Tomas would go, go do, you know, your thing, you know, and I'd get up and sing with them. And 
And uh, then I'd start doing that on the tour all the way back home. And so when they played their first DC show back home, w within that first week, I, I sang. And then they made me stay up and do like Manic Depression and you know some other wow. shit that they played. And I was like, I don't know these words. You know. Should be happy. And I and I and I was probably my timing was probably off and everything. But I but I loved you know. And I I used to when I was at work, you know, this is the kind of thing I did even though I wasn't playing bass all the time. I'd have the the Bad Brains lyrics. And while I was like getting tapes out of the you know warehouse, I would go through the tune in my head, and I would go like you know I make decisions with precision, lost inside this man collision, just to see that what to be is perfectly my fantasy, and I and that started, you know what I mean? I did that as like an yeah. exercise in how does how is this done? You know, because yeah, yeah. lyrics were Second there, patient. but it was all you know it was all there, and it's too fast to even say that thing. Yeah. But you know if you can feel where it sits in the in the you know, and that's a weird rhythm in itself. So it's anyway, that's swing, like that's jazz. Yeah, I mean, Gary that's... told me they were fusion band at first. Yeah, and that's you know that's how that. He said he was the bass. Sense. He went over to guitar. <laughs> did the trader wild the trader thing. So he's never heard you play bass. Just come out and play bass for my band. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just okay. totally weird. So, but it was great. I think also for him because I didn't. You know, I needed to, because I didn't play a lot after these fingers were damaged, yeah. and I needed to get them going again. And so it was kind of like starting again, uh, playing seriously with someone, because I had tried to play with some people, but I didn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. Actually, I don't remember doing too much at that point, before, like, after this accident, I think I did one, that one thing, trying to be in a band. Yeah. And then Skeeter from Scream ended up being the bass player when they played live, and... Um, and the guy was really encouraging, Kenny Dredd. He was really nice to me because I didn't know what I was doing, and he was really like, you know, just practice your chops, man. You know, chops. he was really kind about it. And and so, but somehow I just kind of bowed, I just ducked out of it, like you know, shit, I can't do this, you know. Or they, I don't know, they were going on without me. So they, um, so I, I had, I had a bass, you know, and I had graduated to some insane monstrosity. I had a Gibson Explorer that was just probably bigger wow. than I was at the time. They're heavy. And, yeah, when Ian was asking me, and I think, you know, first time he saw that, I think he was probably like, you know, you are out of your mind. And I was playing through a single 18 well, that belonged to to Mark Lowey. And this, and he had, a, he had a horn on top of that. And he had the weirdest, I had this weird, you know, Ian <laughs> was like, what are you? You know, what the hell are you doing? And so, um, so everything kind of got stripped down, and I used a, and I ended up playing Doug's, uh, Jazz. He had he had a number of jazzes that he like sanded down and spray painted black, you know. And so I was using a jazz of Doug's, and then um, he had a Music Man, and then I was like, that really fits my, I don't know, it just fit me, you know. I didn't have to reach for it at all. No reach around. And then it was that was it. I I I found a used one, and that's that's how I ended up with that, and you know, playing in Fugazi. But Ian and I played for a year before we ever played the first show. And a lot of that time was just trying to find the drummer because cause Colin left us. And then yeah. we, did, we jammed with Brendan, but Brendan was playing in Happy Go Licky. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, it just kind of went from there. We went through all these auditions with drummers, and we just kind of knew that Brendan was going to be impossible to beat. And then Happy Go Licky was starting to break into facets, like someone was going to go away to school, and just all these things were changing and then Brendan was kind of committing by the time our year was coming around, you know. 
But also you was probably writing tunes. And it what I yeah, what I meant to say before was that as I was getting better at playing bass, he was figuring out like I'm gonna sing and play guitar, which he hadn't done really. And figuring out his you know, playing electric guitar. Yeah. Because, you know, he never used a pedal or... Yeah, I know. He stuck with almost the same amp and one or two guitars that he went between repairing, you know. Even after he broke off headstocks and shit. But he just made those amps, you know, one or two amps that just kind of had to do the job. And Steve Malkasethian kept that going for him, you know, over the years. You would quit the NASA people with a contract. So how are you living... I, when I came back from that tour, um, because I saw so many shows at DC Space, uh, I think Fred was a doorman at the 930 Club. I, I think he was just kind of like... Or, or I was just talking to someone I knew, the Bruce Merkel from 9353, who, was a, who, did, who repaired things at DC Space, like did some, like, you know, he probably, I don't know how much he knew about what he was doing, he just had that job. And he was like, you know, they probably need a dishwasher here. And I had tried out for 9353, so he was just, you know, somebody that I kind of, you know, someone that I knew. I I didn't know many musicians, you know, I'd know somebody and then get a number and call someone about my equipment, like, should I be playing this amp through this cabinet, you know, and they were like, you know, what do you, why do you own that shit, you know? (laughs) You don't even know what you're doing. People had, you know, like, that was Pete Murray I'd call from Marginal Man, and yeah. you know, I'm sure he just thought it was a fucking... A lot of those people I played my first show with, with Ian in Fugazi, or maybe after the first few shows, I'd run into some of these people in front of a club, and they'd look at me and kind of go like, well, you really got your shit together, didn't you? Like, like you were just that, like, dumb motherfucker I knew a few years ago. Because I was just, you know, I guess I was fairly toasted, but I just didn't, you know, I just didn't talk a lot. And I and I just knew these, and they just knew I didn't have a clue. Because I didn't have a fucking clue. You know, I was really late figuring out everything. Yeah, so you're supporting yourself with dishwasher. Yeah, no, okay. yeah, it was just a dishwasher. And, and the guys t- are getting the sound together. Ian's learning how to do guitar and singing, writing songs. Yeah, all through that. Finally, I be- and then I Brendan... Be- Makes more solid. Yeah, by then, by the time Brendan uh, was going to be able to play with us, yeah. I, I probably became like a, it was a, a janitor busboy host who was the next level above dishwasher. Yeah, okay. It was like all these things you did. Yeah. And I had that job for years in Fugazi because nobody wanted that job. So when I came home from a tour, it was always there. Oh. I'd find someone, I'd come back, and I'd have that job. Okay. And then, really, straight through till that place what closed was the, in What was the first uh, Fugazi tour like? Well, we so we played our was first show. Was it the same like being on that beef eater one? No, because you'd already done it once. But um, now you're playing. Yeah, kind kind of. It was kind of like doing that, but it was you know being in the band was totally different. Yeah, you know, oh, it big was responsibility. <laughs> because you Even know you, you were helping those guys out, a helper man. It's still different yeah. to be a band man. Yeah, just having to just just knowing you know knowing music was like a new thing, like knowing so, how songs went and Parts. so forth, and then like playing them and shit and set lists. Yeah, it was really you know my way of understanding how to play what we played was yeah. like this song takes place between you know these three major dots events. Yeah, man, and it was like that's how everything was arranged. It was according to where a dot was. I mean, I just oh, didn't neck know. Oh, neck math. Yeah, yeah, that's I didn't know any. Boom call that I didn't math. know any. No, I didn't know what a yeah, note, right, note right, was. Right. Like all through Fugazi, if someone started talking about what key or what note a song was, I mean, you know, I had to kind of go like, yeah, you yeah. know, you know where it was relation. And I have to math. think about it, yeah. but I couldn't watch anyone's hands. So a lot of practices, you know, I was just like, I'm not like, is that go with that? Yeah. You know, like I'd be, my head would be next to the cabinet. 
so like I just didn't have a clue, you know. And so playing playing, you know, with three guys who'd been in all these bands and yeah. done all this shit was really, you know, uh, you I know just what? did a lot he of He was a bass man, right? What's that? I think when I played with Rite of Spring, he was the bass man. No, no, Guy played guitar and sang in the in bands. No, but who, what about Rite of Spring? Who was the bass man? So in that, that was that was because uh, I had to borrow the guy's bass. That was Mike. That was Mike. Uh, I couldn't believe the neck had been shattered. Mike Fellows. Okay, so when you would hit certain <laughs> notes, it would pinch you because it was resonating. Oh my god. Yeah, something happened my bass, and I had to borrow his. It was like, whoa, this is wow. interesting. Yeah, they and and yeah, that okay, was okay. He was playing spring. guitar then. I thought he was playing the bass. I can't, remember. but I think I asked him, "Can I use your bass?" Well, what what you may unless it was unless it it's was one of the first gigs. Licky. No, no, it, no. It, it was, was Rites of Spring. I remember Rites of Spring at the nine thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait, somebody gave us the butcher paper to make the set list. Okay, <laughs> it yeah. was like sing from the rough. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So like, so because later there's Eddie Janney playing guitar in a different format, One Last Wish. And he, like, he, well, he's playing bass with the same lineup of Righteous Spring, but then he's the bass player. Okay. And so normally he was a guitar player. And then they, and then they reform as Happy Go Licky with the Righteous Spring lineup. They're yeah. back to the same thing. But anyway. DC scene was hard to keep track of. There's a lot of changes. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people, like, really wanting to do music and just trying to make it happen. You know, and just it, make, but make, not a lot of long term. Sometimes yeah. you make the record, you're done. At the same time, yeah, like yeah. doing also doing what you want to do. They'd go off to school and come back. Or they'd do I don't know what they were doing, but they'd leave and come back. I was I couldn't believe it, you know. But coming from the suburbs, you know, I was just late to all that. Yeah, so sure. all the early punk shit had happened. So when for example, my friend Ivan took me to see an an Adam, a, a Madam's organ show. So that was this house, a group house in Adams Morgan, where he used to live with his family right nearby. And they lived in D.C., Ivan. And so he brought me to this place. And then they didn't, the Bad Brains didn't play. And so therefore, I didn't know who they were. You know what I mean? I didn't know what they were or the scene around them, the audience that they brought. I was still going to shows after that, and then I started to understand that a lot of these kids at these shows, they were in bands. And I hadn't figured that out past that point, because this was 79, I think, that he brought me to the house. Right. And then I think Ian and, and this guy, Dave Byers, who's in a band, who played with HR later, in the HR band, I, I think they got, with up, they got up and just played. What did he play in the band? What's that? What did he play in the band? Guitar. There was two white guys. Dave Byers? Guitars. Oh, that was later then, because Dave later? was black. Okay. In the very, in the very first release. The only brother was Dar uh, the brother, uh, Earl. Yeah, yeah, Earl's playing drums. And a and kind of long guy with, uh, with the, on the b b bass. I think that, I wonder if... And then one guy's just moved to SoCal. I hadn't seen him since that gig. It was really trippy. We're, there was an opening man going on, me and HR downstairs waiting for our... So party. Mark Riffle was one guitar player. And the other guy was Tito. That's right. Tito lives in Cali. So Tito lives in California. I saw him after all these years, but it reminded me of that gig. And me and HR are waiting for the first band to go off. Yeah. And he goes to be. Uh, so yeah, that was of, awesome to be able to see, like, HR after, because the Bad Brains already moved by the time I was even getting into this stuff, and saw them play with the Obsessed at the 930 Club in, like, 80 three or something or 80 whatever it was 81 I don't know what year they played with the Bad Brains but you know when I finally saw the Bad Brains I kind of understood by then what that scene was but had I saw that show earlier like if they had played that house show that night 
I would have figured out so much stuff earlier, but I, I, I was dependent. You weren't socially connected. It, yeah, because I was just, just being a, you know, half hour drive or 20 minute drive. And that makes all the difference. Though. All the difference in the world. Yeah. I saw no flyers, you know. Uh, yeah, when we were down there waiting for the first band to go out, HR asked me, so, uh, what kind of man you think Michael Jackson is? <laughs> You're in L.A. What kind of man do you, know, you think Michael Jackson <laughs> Shit, I don't know. The hell are you talking about? I say he's a good dancer. Yeah. You're a good singer. I'm the best. Just, of all things you could get asked, that was so out of the blue. When you think about it, he was gone. Do you ever watch that Florida show on YouTube? There's a 1987 Bad Brains in Florida. Terrible, like, you know, spring break show sponsored by oh, you know, Chevrolet Jesus. or something. And then this crowd that's like... Square. Yeah, like 100 people or something. I mean, it doesn't even look like many people. And they put on the show, like, for Armageddon. I mean, they put on, like, it's the eye against eye period, and they just yeah, yeah. We could destroy. Just, they just destroy. Incredible. And watching, like, HR physically at that show is just unbelievable. Every move that he makes, you know, is on like the fastest hardcore that they play and shit. Yeah. Everything is just like, every movement around the stage is it's just Incredible. phenomenal. We did some gigs with him in that period. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I saw him a lot, you know, when they came back. Exactly. West, probably but saw that him. period was the most. I haven't seen him much lately. Well, neither am I. It's yeah. not the same. So I don't know what it's like. Something else. Uh, Shit. We talk forever. No, no, but I want to. I want to keep going. Yeah, man. Even though Chat. we end the show, should we have a little piece of that? This is uh, for the next because we got to get on uh, to your other things and stuff. Your Joe Lally stuff. We've been playing <laughs> all the trio, yeah. We never so talked about it. This is all. What I'll do is this next spiel coming up. I'll just go on the next show. Sure. Yeah. And uh, but th thanks for being here for this part of the show too. Hey, man. Everybody, it's July 2nd, 2013 edition of the Pedro Show. Uh, next week, I'll try to do another one, I think, maybe from uh, France, wherever we got a chance. And we'll hear more of the same spiel here in Rome, though. So it won't be in France. Don't be fooled. But until uh, next time, keep your powder dry. <laughs>